because you're used to gritting and grinding. Yeah, right. And all of a sudden, that perseverance attitude becomes a negative because then you're not willing to change. It's like yeah. if I keep hitting my head against the wall, the wall will break. No, you could walk through the door that's open that's right next to you and go to someplace different. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to hear that. No, well, of course not. I mean, I mean, I think it speaks to your whole identity being wrapped into something. That's the only thing and, people and know you as. And that's, yes. that, and that's hard to just be like, okay, I'm cool now. It's fine. Yes, I'm yeah. fine. I'm going to be completely somebody yeah. different tomorrow. It's, it's I'm good. Fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Everything's great. And in many ways, you're still dealing with that. No question. No question. I mean, it's Se- seeking attention. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't hate the player, hate the game, dude. I didn't create social media. I'm just trying to take advantage of what's out in front of me. <laughs> and this is the discussion right here. I mean, this is it. Welcome everyone to Minds Your Business. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Dr. Lee Hancock. And for this particular episode, we wanted a specific topic or two to be the guest instead of a real life person. So we came up with a few options and first was entitlement and how it seeped into the youth game in particular and ultimately how we get rid of it if that's even possible. And the second option is playing with jerks on the field or plot twist if you are the jerk on your team. And finally, option number three, the last option, why do some people fight through adversity while others accept their fate? Now, Lee likes to call this quote unquote grit. And we put all the pressure, though, on the decision for what we should do on Monty, the producer. And he decided, well, what did he decide, Lee? Because I think he wanted to intertwine it all together. Well, he did. He did. And I I told him no. I said, Monty, absolutely not. Um, (laughs) Because we don't do things like that. Actually, I thought it might be fun to talk about entitled jerks uh, that, uh, you know, have grit, um, you know, or gritty people that are entitled that don't like jerks. There's really a myriad of things we could discuss <laughs> really is. In, in the short amount of time that we have. It's um, funny. It's funny when you say that I already picture a couple different faces in my mind when you start <laughs> to mix the, you know, the whole thing, but this yeah. feels like a bit of a choose your own adventure. We got well, going on here. Choose your own adventure. And in fact, the person you could be thinking of is staring right at you in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I thought, you know, oh, no. I, yes, that's, that's today's episode of Jimmy's journey. <laughs> Um, no, you know what? I thought we would talk about adversity. You know, I think that, um, you know, with people going, um, through what they're going through with athletes going through what they're going through and all of us at home in terms of having to really think about what our, what our passions are and and God, what are we doing with our lives? Almost. You got nothing but time to think. And are mm-hmm. you going to push through in the long term? Are you going to be perseverant in the long term with what it is you're doing? And that's great. And, you know, being a parent during this time and obviously you um, as well. And, and you're, you've got some great stories about grit and perseverance over time. And then perhaps when the perseverance should have veered off in a different direction, which is also a thing, you know, is grit ever too much, you know, which isn't talked about a lot. So, yeah, I thought we could explore that a little bit today and, and get some of your thoughts and, and stories as we as we move through this today. Well, well, before we take a deeper dive into adversity and grit, we would be forever in your debt if you took the time to drop us a rating and a review, preferably telling us how handsome we both are, even though you can't see us. That would be amazing. So, all right, Lee, I'm buckling up my seatbelt for this adventure because 
I think it could be a, a rough ride for me in particular, depending on how deep we go into uh, some of my personality traits, as it were, as an example for some of the things that we're trying to portray about adversity and grit. Well, it, and it might. And uh, I think that's a good thing. You know, being being self-reflective is is important. And I think that's for all of us. Um, let me let me take a couple of seconds just to chat about grit um, and my experience with it, you know, just in terms of the the, the the nuts and bolts of the concept, even though the majority of us are probably familiar with it. So Angela Duckworth is big in the research scene and really kind of came up, you know, or, or, or um, cultivated, I suppose, and, and made famous grit, you know, in her book. And a great book, by the way. Um, if you, anybody has a chance to read it, it's good for all ages and all. Um, What's it called? Grit. Yeah. Oh, it's called Grit. Yeah, right. I think Grit and the subtitle of the, the power and passion of perseverance or something along those lines. And what she does is she talks about it in terms of inside out, you know, about how you mm-hmm. you can do it and you can improve it and manifest it or how it's manifested. And then outside in, right, which is culture, you know, and if you're in a culture of Grit, then it almost kind of, you know, those expectations almost move you through like a wave in essence, right? And that's, that's a very quick dirty look at it but the inside out one basically has four pieces okay mm-hmm. and it talks about how these components are are critical to to building it right and so if you're a coach or a teacher or you're you you can start to think oh yeah i have this and i don't have this and if you're mm-hmm. bored you can go on her i think it's her website or angelduckworth.com i think she's got a grit scale that you can take a quick test on which is really cool um and so the four things she talks about interest you know do you have an interest right and and can you can you improve that interest or, or, or is it something that you're interested in? Because if it is, you're going to grit and grind, right? Practice. Wait, can I stop you there really quick? Because I find interest in particular to be very interesting because I had somebody come up to me one time after I had won the national championship with UCLA. Okay, I'm okay. 20 years old and they said something about success and, and perseverance. And, and I said that that at that moment, I don't know if I was feeling wise or whatever, but I was very calm in my response. And it was more that I said soccer was the backdrop. It, that that was just what I did. It could have been in anything, but it was how I approached it. It was my men, my mental fortitude. It was my my mentality around it. So so in some ways, I'm saying this because I feel like sometimes I feel like my interest is more in can I do it? You know, can can I just prove myself in this space? Yeah. Uh, as opposed to what it is, if that makes any sense. It does. And that's actually another piece of the grit, the four part grit puzzle. Um, uh, I should have let you finish. I'm sorry. I interrupt. Well, I mean, it's, that's, you know, you're not <laughs> the show. You can do whatever you want. You know, you don't want, you don't want the whole world. You only want my half. Is that what you're saying? Um, but, but the interest one is key because I do think that plays a part. You have to love what you do. Like you have to truly be interested in it. Right. And so to provide that, and there's a lot of theories out there about motivation and these types of things, but you really have to love what you do. And if we think about that sustained, you know, grit is a sustained perseverance for a long period of time, right? And Mm -hmm. so to hold that interest and to love what you do and to have that inside of you, well, then it is suggested would spur you on to more grit, okay? And again, some people have these things and some people build these things. And there's there's no rule or law that says you have... 50% 50% an eight and 50%, you know, mm-hmm. not so much. Right. And so right. can you build it? Then we can talk about that. Uh, the second piece is practice, right? You have to practice deep, deliberate 10,000 hours type of stuff. If we're going to go pop culture references to how, how long practice is supposed to be before you get great. 
right? But you have to put the time in. And of course, the first one spurs on the second one. You have to love what you do and put the time in, you know? Mm -hmm. um, then you have to have a purpose. You have got to have that purpose, which is a little bit what you were describing a second ago. You you had this purpose of like, I am going to do this, right? And and yours was, and I, we've talked about the story and you've, you've talked about it in different places, but you had this purpose and you felt like you wanted to go and do it, you know? And so to have that fo that purpose is key. And the last one, which I really think um, is key is hope, right? Because you think about the amount of times you are having despair. And for athletes during this particular time of life, there's a lot of uncertainty, right? And so hope, you're like, hope, I'm just hoping to go out of the house. You know what I mean? <laughs> hope to go to practice. But if you have those four things to some degree, or you can build those things from the inside out, it is suggested then that you would have grit. And of course, being able to provide opportunities for kids to get this, for pros to get it, and to nurture these things would then, you know, pop you up on this, on this grit-o-meter. Okay, so let's tie this back into a former guest, uh, Tom Beyer, yeah. who is very big on soccer starts at home. Can you teach these things as a parent? Can you teach grit to, to kids? Or is it on the inside out? They have to show you certain things, and then you can help them build based on some of the, the qualities that you just mentioned. Yeah, I'm, I'm of the belief that you can't make anybody do anything. You know what I mean? And and you can certainly make them do it. You talked me to doing this podcast. What the hell are you talking that's about? Very true. <laughs> but I actually made you think it was your idea. You understand genius, what I did genius, absolute genius. <laughs> so, but, you know, can you make somebody do it? Yeah, I can make you do it. But are you going to love it? Are you interested? Are you going to have a purpose? Mm -hmm. You know, are you going to practice? No. So all of a sudden you're 0 for 3 in 3 of the 4 ingredients, right? What Tom is suggesting is actually the basis for a, a major theory in motivation, which is um, to provide them an opportunity to love it. And you put these balls out there, you know, and then they, they play with the ball and you go, great job. And the kid goes, ding, ding, ding. I got a great job, you know, and, and are you manipulating? Yeah, probably, but you know, we as parents do it all the time. Why do you think so many kids want to go into the family business? You know, whether it's soccer or anything else, because they see it all the time. And some, some kids go away from it, right? But sometimes they see what they're doing and they see that love of it. And so to go to Tom, he is providing an opportunity for intrinsic motivation by satisfying some truly innate needs, which again is part of a different theory. So yeah, I, I think there is, I think you're, he's creating something where there is uh, the basics of interest. And he talks a lot about culture, the basics of culture. Right. Because mm -hmm. if you can build it from the inside out and all of a sudden it just becomes part of what it is you're doing, it's what we do here, which is a good phrase for culture. Um, then you're 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 setting everything up to go. We're just going to keep keep going after it. Keep going after it. No, I, I, I only ask. I have two daughters of my own, if I haven't made that clear in earlier shows. Uh, one is just turned 13 and, and that makes me feel very old that I have a teenager and one that just turned nine. And so the number one question I get is, oh, they must play soccer too. It's just this natural assumption. And, and they do, but it doesn't speak to them. It does to a certain extent, but it doesn't speak to them to the way that it was speaking to me. And I, and I, and I, I don't know. I can't say that for sure, but I don't get the sense. And I, I, I'm jaded a little bit. And I mean that in a positive fashion because I know, based on my own experience, 
what they need to be doing at this particular age if they want to be good, if they want to be real good. Yeah. And they say they want to be good, mm-hmm. but they don't always follow that up with the right actions. Mm-hmm. Now, as a parent, as you mentioned, I'm backing off because I need them to drive that. Mm-hmm. I can't be the one dragging the bag of balls out to the field. They right. need to be dragging me out to the field. And so that's hard for me at times because I'm just eager to get out there and just kick the ball around. And I love sharing those moments with them. And I feel like they get my undivided attention, which is probably what gets them out there in the first place is more that they get that undivided attention. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting for me because I'm listening and I'm trying to pay attention to where they are showing or displaying passions yeah. So that you can start to, in some ways, because as you say, build the culture, start to develop some grit for them because one of them plays music, another one likes to act. You know, they're already running into, they didn't get the role they wanted. They didn't hit the note that they wanted. They're already dealing with some adversity, obviously, in different ways. How do you talk but about that? So, with so regard- let's say that they don't get a part. You know, they don't do well at something. How do you, because this is a, this is a major piece of driving grit. And this isn't for me. This is straight from Angela Duckworth. She's talked about it before. How do you manage it? Well, I fall back onto the Nelson Mandela quote a lot where he said, I never lose. I either win or I learn, which is really important. And, And if you can reshape the failure in a positive way and, and see that there's something to gain from it, Mm -hmm. then, then I think you'll start to repackage failure and you'll almost embrace it in some ways because you know that you're going to gain something from it. However, you have to have that awareness to actually meaningfully gain gain from it. And then secondly, and I I say the secondly, which I hadn't thought of before, but I was coaching my daughter's team a couple years ago when she was in rec and we didn't win any games. Mm -hmm. And I was using that quote with the girls, but it got to the point where the girls are like, yeah, we're tired of learning. We want to win now. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so, you know, they wanted that reinforcement and, and it would have come had we stuck together and continued to work on stuff. But, you know, the seasons are a couple months and that's it. Mm-hmm. But it was really interesting to me to see the despair that ultimately came from that quote when I always saw it as such a positive. And so I, I guess I add that secondly in because there still has to be some kind of component of, of success. They don't want to continue to fail, 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 fail without really seeing any tangible difference in what's happening. Yeah, you you hit it right on the head. And let's go to your coaching thing for a second. So first of all, maybe it was the coach and that's why you lost so many games. So maybe <laughs> they should have come in mid-year and sacked you and perhaps you could have done better. I'm just saying. Um, but in terms of that quote, that that gets to the that gets to the heart of her suggestion, um, Dr. Duckworth's suggestion of a growth mindset, right? Work hard, improve, try hard, get better. If you haven't read Mindset, that's Carol Dweck's book. She talks about improve try hard, get better growth. You know, I, I can always learn from something, but I do think sometimes that takes time and it also takes a nudge, right? And Mm -hmm. so what is the amount of nudge you should be giving a 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15? I don't have the answer to that, right? Because every kid is different, but providing them that opportunity to be aware, which you also talked about, um, and then give them an opportunity to work through those things with your advice is important because I know in your career, You've had times where perhaps as a younger athlete, you could grit and grind and persevere. But as an older athlete, you may have faced times where you were trying to grind through it and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if this is the right thing. And maybe you need to be aware of these. I know you've had those times. Yeah. Well, there's no question. I mean, there's some cynicism, I think, that starts to creep in once you get older and as you start to achieve and 
that climb up to the top. I, I, I think we talked about it before that I had some of my biggest struggles after I played in a World Cup where I didn't know how to maintain. I didn't know how to continue to push because I had done everything I had set out to do and then some. Like I had overachieved in a lot of different ways. And not only that, I had the satisfaction internally of knowing that I competed at the highest level against some of the best players in the world with millions of people watching. And I did it. I held my own. Yeah. And I can't tell you the deal, the, 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 the amount of peace and satisfaction that I get from that and that I didn't have anything left to prove to anybody, including myself. Yeah. So you come back from that, but you're like, well, well what do I want to go do now? And I did have a moment of, well, maybe I should, maybe I should quit. You know, right. maybe that, and in some ways I, I kind of regret not quitting, but I didn't mm. know what to, what to do. I didn't know what to move on to next. I hadn't graduated from school and, and they're throwing more money at you and you're getting more acclaim and people start to see you in a different way. And you're like, Hey, this feels pretty good. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mind all this. You know, yeah. I've been fighting to try to get this attention for so long and now it's just being handed to me when I'm not even asking for it. This mm -hmm. is incredible. So, so that was a hard thing to understand and accept. And I don't even know if I fully understood what was happening at the time. I could see it, but I didn't keep it at arm's length. I, I, I think I let it, let it seep in a bit, which led to some entitlement, which is something else we had. I was mentioned. just going to ask you. Yeah. I was just going to say to you, did you feel like you were being an entitled jerk at that particular point? Um... Well, what's interesting is that I had to be because I was the lowest paid player for sure on the World Cup team in 2006. Mm -hmm. And when I came back, I had done enough, I thought, to merit a similar right. you know, we contract. So you had to dig in and be a jerk a little bit. You have to stand up for yourself. Uh, even with your own agents who you think have their best, they have your best interest at heart, but they don't. Mm -hmm. um, uh, not all agents, but there's a few. And I had to fire my agent. I was crying after nine years with him because he lied to my face and didn't help me at all. And total bullshit artist, dude. When, but um, when, when did you retire? Uh, 2011. Okay. So you had a good three or four more years. Would you, and then, so you persevered, you grinded, Right. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and, and as you look back, you think, well, maybe not. But towards the end of your career, right, because you had an interesting ending to your career. Would you say that as you ended your career, you wanted to continue to grit and grind? What did you <clears throat> do you think? I that, didn't. Two parts. So, so, do okay. you think that as you as you changed careers, right, were you able to draw on those experiences of gritting and grinding? And while the pain of changing careers might have been difficult, were you able to draw on those experiences to move to something else? Yes. Sorry, there's a long dramatic pause I left there. Yeah. I I will say for sure that the habits and disciplines that I created in my first career have definitely helped me in my second one. When I did transition, even though I was mourning the loss of my identity which was hard. And it took me, I would say nine months to a year and definitely felt depressed and, and didn't understand. It was really hard. And, and I had needed to talk to somebody. And, and uh, sometimes I think the hero complex that a lot of us athletes have, and I, maybe a lot of males in particular, we are reluctant to reach out because we think we got this all figured out. We can solve our own problems, but mm -hmm. it does help to have a, a third party to talk to at times to get outside of your bubble and just to sound off without being judged is really important. Um, there was some entitlement, I think, initially on the transition because I just assumed, hey, I played in the World Cup. Who wants to offer me a job? You know, mm -hmm. look at all this. Look, look at the hair, the face, the personality. I got it all working right now, you know? And and even though I did get some immediate love, I had a big, big agency. I announced my retirement from Chivas and MLS 
And 45 minutes later, I had an email from one of the biggest agencies in the world, IMG, who said they wanted to represent me. So that felt like a nice boost, okay, that they've seen and identified that I have some talent. I don't know what it means. And they didn't really know what it meant either. I had already had an in with Fox. I was already doing stuff with Fox Soccer. So they didn't really bring anything new to the table. They just knew that I had something. That that was still a boost of confidence. I ended up parting ways with them because when I moved over to the social media side, the digital media side, that was so new in so many different ways. They didn't have anybody that was representing people in that space. I'm sure they do now. But I just assumed that I would get more opportunities um, than I did. And I just kind of started going down the path of what was coming. And that was more media stuff than than maybe. I mean, as much as I like putting myself out there and and having a good time and keeping things mostly lighthearted, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a part of me that really doesn't feel like I'm giving back in a meaningful way. Well, uh, because of because of all the experiences that I have, this is why this podcast is very important to me in particular. Yeah, it's interesting because as I think about your changeover in your career, and again, as I think about athletes and you guys, a big part of your identity, you know, is being an athlete and grinding through and CL show you, you know, there is some there is some research out there that talks about look, you can you can be gritty and change careers, you know, and some of the best folks in the world grit and grind until they don't. And then mm-hmm. they take that because they've hit their peak and then they change. And I would argue because um, I think that you guys, um, and I watch you all now, I think you were searching for what you wanted to be interested in, to go back to those four pieces. You were searching for a purpose, which you still are, you know? But I think as soon as you move from this big, and I'm putting my hand up, high spot, you know, really high on the totem pole of achievement, you want to come straight over, you know, it's like, mm, it doesn't work like that. You know, mm-hmm. you got to be willing to go back a little bit, but then you have an opportunity to grit and grind and to feel purposeful and to practice at it. Right. And to pique your interest. But again, you have to have that hope and that awareness piece is huge in, in kind of, um, bringing that idea of, okay, I'm going to grit and grind somewhere else, you know, and cause transitioning isn't easy. No, it's not easy. And and what I wanted to say to your first question that you asked was that I don't know how to turn off the grit. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do it. Yeah, it, it's 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 what I know. It's what I've cultivated. It's what I've shaped. My mentality is that it's it's let it's led me to so much success that I don't know how to turn it off. Yeah, you know, or however you want to define success. But I achieved so much uh, because of this mentality, and and. As I started to climb, like, oh, cool. Well, you know, I took a big risk leaving San Diego State. The coach told me I would never amount to anything, and I walked on at UCLA. And wow, my my grit led me to making the team. And not only that, I, I started in the national championship game and and won a national championship. And a story that I haven't shared very often was that at the at the banquet, my senior year, there was five seniors, and at, he left me last. Ziggy Schmidt was the coach. Rest in peace. He was the coach, and he said. When he was going to me, I, I was like, I never felt like I was one of his guys. He didn't recruit me, right? I, I didn't was, wasn't there all four years. Right. But apparently I made such a big impact on him and, and the program that he said that if he could model any player to represent what UCLA soccer stands for and, and what it's about, he said it was me, me. And oh. me and my family are like, is he is he talking <laughs> about me? You know, I just I couldn't believe it. I he this is a man that didn't pay me very many compliments, mm-hmm. uh, didn't I don't remember him ever really telling me good job, you know, ever at any point. So for him to say that was, was incredibly overwhelming and, and emotional. And I didn't know what to say when I went up to kind of like say a couple words. Mm-hmm. And even then I remember saying, 
uh, I, I guess I'm going to play pro. I don't, I don't, MLS just started. So I guess I'll give it a shot. I was just mm-hmm. so undecided as to what was next, but, but, uh, but what that, were those traits? Of, what was he referring to? Well, I think it was dealing with adversity. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I was probably the, the player that always kept a good attitude. Um, it was hard because I, I didn't like him for a very long time. And, and oh. to bring up an example, there was a game we were playing against Cal my junior year. This is my first year with the team. And we were up in Berkeley. It was the Mountain Pacific Soccer Federation championship game. So the North versus the South, big game, whatever. And at that point, I was kind of the, the cheerleader in the locker room, right? I knew my mm-hmm. role. I found my role. And, and, and I would lead all the chants. So, it, you know, the day before the game, I'd be leading the circle and like, everybody knows, blah, 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 whatever. Like and so mascot. everybody, yeah, yeah, I was the mascot, dude, the, the, the mascot. <laughs> I, 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 listen, I embraced it at that point. I just loved playing for UCLA. It was like my dream yeah, school. Yeah. So whatever my role was. So for this particular game, this is at the end of the season. So I played a bit. I played, I don't know, 12, 13 games. It's not like I haven't played at all. Mm-hmm. And my my girlfriend at the time has come up. My parents have come up. You know, we don't have too many fans there, but my family drove the six hours to come up and watch, watch me play. So we're up 4-0. Okay. Everybody else has played. I kind of look over at the assistant coach, Paul Crumpy, who I think he still coaches Loyola Marymount now. I love Crump. And he then recognizes that I haven't got in. So I kind of look at him with probably puppy, big puppy dog eyes, you know. I mean, it's 4-0. Just put everybody in. It's not like this game's in, you know, in the balance at all. Mm-hmm. And he nudges Zig, and, and Ziggy turns to him and says, everybody plays on championship day, you know. So I'm like, sweet. So Crumpy gives me the nod, you know, and I'm like, sweet. So I get all warmed up and I'm right in front of my family and they're all fired up for me. You know, he just to see me play for a few minutes and I'm feeling that pressure of like, dude, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. And you know, going to go. And so I go to go get my card <clears throat> and I go and I sit by the, you know, the middle waiting for the ball to go out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the ball doesn't go out oh, no. and they blow the whistle and it's over. Oh, and so no. at that moment, I, I hated him for a long time for that. Yeah. And at that moment, and, I, and it'll always influence my coaching from here on out. I will never, ever do that to, to, to a player, or, or I won't, <laughs> obviously. It could happen, but I'm, I'm going to make sure that that never happens. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was crushed, but I couldn't not celebrate with my teammates. At that moment, it couldn't be about me. I had to go and be supportive of everybody. It was a big win. It was yeah, a it was a. It's a big one. We were the number one. We go end up going into the NCAA tournament after this game as the number one seed in the country. Mm-hmm. We ended up losing in the first round, which sucks. And then we won it when I started. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there, Lee. I'm just throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Uh, but but that was a that was a tough one for me. That was that was hard. And so I think he saw these these times where he maybe didn't put me in a good spot or made me feel second, you so know, like a second class citizen in some ways. But yet I still I didn't want to miss that opportunity. I didn't want any time that, that it did come, I didn't want to be bitter or angry and miss out on my opportunity because I was holding on to that bitterness. So I'd yeah. always figure out a way to shed that and just play and let that everything else, let the game and my performance decide my fate as opposed to holding on to this, this other thing. But I'm still, I, I'm still heartbroken. When I tell that story, I couldn't look at my parents in the face afterwards. I couldn't look at my girlfriend in the eyes. I just was so embarrassed. Yeah, that I that I didn't get to play in this game, especially when they could hear him say everybody plays championship. I mean, that that's how close yeah. the benches were to the stands. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that, but it just 
it, well, it was heartbreaking, and and uh, I guess it speaks to my fortitude in some ways that I, I ended up being the most I ended up being the most successful player out of all those players that played on that field. And so, great story, by the way. And I can see that you have gotten emotional, which means we've had a very good Jimmy's journey segment uh, <laughs> on the show today. Um, as you start thinking about that story, that is everything that grit is. Grit sucks. Like being in the middle of grit, like grit the word, you're like grit. That sounds like that shit that's on the bottom of the pan in the stove, dude. Like, yeah, that's what it means to grit. Like you've got to work through stuff, you know? And and you just said everything about what he felt about you, even though he didn't say it to you, which is also, you know, a characteristic of folks, you know? They're not necessarily mm-hmm. there to, you know, to share those things. I think more modern coaches perhaps are. And what I understood about Siggy, I didn't know him, but I knew many people that played for him. He was a caring dude you know, and a loving dude, you know, but sometimes it didn't always come out. But your your piece right there, as you said it to, at the end, is everything that grit is in terms of you had an interest to be better. You had an interest to be better. You loved what you were doing and you had a purpose. And those that interest and that purpose got you out to practice, right? Which are the three pieces in that building block. And you never lost hope. You, 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 you were smart enough or dumb enough to not listen to anybody who told you you weren't good enough. And that is a lot of kids out there and a lot of adults out there and a lot of pros out there when people say to them, you're not good enough. And a lot of them go, yes, I am. But some of them need that cheerleader. You know, Mm -hmm. every kid is different. Every pro is different. And so as you start thinking about those pieces, yeah, maybe you've got some innateness to your grip, but it was also built, right? Because maybe, you know, a, a person in your life or an event in your life pushed you on to say, I want to grit and grind through this. And that's what it is. And so when I asked you, it was a question that I already knew the answer to about what he saw in you. That story tells me everything I need to know about why you were able to be successful. It also tells me why you were able to then be successful in your second career, albeit with lots of grit, the under the oven kind and grind and and stuff that you got to deal with in that nine months to a year. Nobody said it was easy, you know? And that's the thing about grit is I'm not saying to athletes, it's easy. It's not easy. And if you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you, but you've got it inside of you to push through it. And that's a major piece here. And it's all doable and improvable pieces. And as soon as you start breaking things like adversity down and grit down into moments, you go, I can do that. Well, can you go on and take a walk? I suppose so. Can you go train? Yeah, I guess so. And all of a sudden, five days of that, guess what? You're five days into your grit. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is really important because, you know, a lot of athletes think, well, I can't do it. As soon as you do that, you're done. You're done. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. And I, the one thing I would add to that is as it pertains to me, I just didn't want anybody else to decide how good I was going to be at anything. I wanted it to be up to me. And and if I quit or whatever, that's my decision. I didn't want that to be taken out of my hands or, or to give that person that power to decide. Um, uh, obviously they can control some of the, the external factors like playing me or not playing me, but sure. But they can't make me quit that that's yeah. on me. So, so that was uh really important for me to understand. And yeah, I got tested a lot of different times. And I think because I made the decision I made and because I went down that path, it helped grow my grit tremendously because yeah. you knew, Hey, I fought through this before when you felt ashamed and you couldn't look at anybody in the eye and you were feeling sorry for yourself, but you still, didn't let that be an anchor. It almost propelled you in some ways. And so when that, when I faced that situation or something similar 
in the future, I was so much more comfortable and confident that just, just hold the line, buddy, you know, keep, yeah. keep, keep putting that work in because it, it does make a difference. And you, and I had a body of evidence to prove that. There's, there's a quick phrase, um, that reminds me uh, of all of this and that's you, you, and I know this is not for me. I'm sure I'm stealing it, but, but as far as everybody else knows, I came up with it. Um, you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you react. And, that's right. and the more often you repeat that, and, and as much as you want that win or you want the result or you want that point, you have a choice in how you're going to react to the moment of failure. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's learned. Uh, and it's helped by, by supportive parents and coaches and sports likes and, and, and fantastic podcasts uh, that can help you. <laughs> like this times. one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to leave everybody with one quote before we go, Lee. And that's another one uh, that I like to use and think about from Samuel Beckett. I'm sure you've heard it. He said, ever tried, ever failed, no matter try again, fail again, fail better. And, and I love that last line more than anything, just fail better. (laughs) I think it really speaks to uh, a lot of the grit in a lot of different ways and does it in a way that's very thoughtful. Well, Lee, this was great. I feel like I got some therapy today and I learned and I self-reflected and, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to walk out here with my chest puffed and my Mm -hmm. head up and I'm going to attack life. Thanks, Lee. I appreciate it. Jim, we're all on Jimmy's journey. We're all on <laughs> No way. I'm on your journey. I'm trying to, to prove your concepts are correct in that. <laughs> that way more people buy your books. Uh, you're going to come back and say, it didn't work, Lee. You told me. You <laughs> promised that if I did this, it would work. Uh, that's a whole different conversation because I, I do tell my girls these types of things and, and they get frustrated when things don't happen for them right away. But mm-hmm. that, that patience has to come into grit as well. So Lee, that is the show for this week. Thank you so much, as always, for your time. And I look forward to our next show and our next weeks of shows and months of shows and years of shows. Uh, I really enjoyed doing this with you. Fantastic. Loved it. All right. See you, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.